This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Now you ready for the word this morning? Excellent. Well, Pastor Tom last week spoke about sanctification and uh, just took us through the process of understanding what that is in terms of that's what you and I are called to be. We're called to be sanctified unto God, uh, uh, set apart, consecrated for a holy purpose, to make something holy. And you and I are to be holy as He is holy. I want to carry on with that this morning and pick some extracts out of the Word of the Year that Pastor Tom ministered. Um, and he spoke to us about uh, uh, walking with God, Noah having walked with God. And I want to focus on that this morning. So the title of my message this morning is Walking with God. How many of you know that if you're going to be sanctified, you need to walk with God? So I want to read something from the Word of the, word, word of the Year here. It said, Pastor Tom said this. He says, there will be a distinction between those who live by the Word and those who do not. There will be, this will become evident at an individual level as well as in the marketplace, the church, and society at large. I want you and I to recognize this morning that our success is tied to whether or not we live by the Word. Especially in this season, God will begin to make a distinction between those that live by the Word and those that do not. Let me clarify that. We like to say God makes a distinction between His chosen people and uh, those that are in Egypt, or those that uh, are his people, uh, will be in Goshen, and, you know, the rest are not. Here, the instruction is, there will be a distinction between those that live by the word and those that do not. So, you can be called of God, and yet not live by his word. You are still amongst those you'll distinct, you'll make a distinction. So, you may have an inheritance and a calling that God may want to set you apart to live in Goshen. But your choice is not to live by the statutes and the command of what it takes to live in Goshen. Who render you amongst the Egyptians. That's the distinction in this season. That it's those that live by the word. Not those that call themselves Christians. It is the distinction between victorious and victim living. I want to focus on a piece of scripture. If we could open your Bibles to Luke 17, verses 20, 20 to 27. It's an interesting piece of scripture. The Pharisees here, the Bible says, went to Jesus and they asked him when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them saying, the kingdom of God does not come by observation, nor can they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Turn to your neighbor and say, the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. For they will say to you, look here and look there, do not go after them or follow them. For they as lightning that flashes out in the part of under the heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, say as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given to marriage until the day 
that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and it was destroyed. I want to give some background to the question that the, the Pharisees answered Jesus. You see, it is natural for us as a people, whenever we are pressed to look for a deliverer, isn't it? When we're in trouble, it's natural for us to look for a deliverer. When we suffer politically, we look for what? Change. Yes? Or whatever. It's, it's natural for people to, to, to think that way. So the background of this is the children of Israel were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. The Romans ruled them, and they ruled them harshly. It was tough. So they looked in the scriptures, and they saw the promise of a coming Messiah. And in their minds, the Messiah would come and liberate them from their suffering. Their Messiah would be like what they heard of their forefathers, that when they were under the oppression of Pharaoh, Moses was raised up as a deliverer and delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh and brought them across the wilderness into the promised land. That was the expectation. They were really looking forward to a deliverer that would come and sort the Roman officials out. Get them out of power and show them who really has the power. So when, when, when this guy comes along and purports to be the Messiah, and he's not delivering them, he's delivering stories, parables, now and then he's healing someone, then he goes into the temple on uh, the Sabbath and he heals another person. He's just stirring up controversy. And now and then he says, he goes into the mountains and they say, where is he? He's in solitude with God. And, and now he's calling himself the Messiah. And not only that, he is from Nazareth. I, I don't even know what to compare Nazareth with in Zimbabwe. Let me not offend anyone. But it's like... <laughs> I don't... <laughs> it's, it's like... Yeah, that's what Nazareth was. He's from where? Nazareth. And what makes it worse... He doesn't even, there's no, there's no confronting of the Roman officials. He's not like Moses. He doesn't go and show them a few signs or two. doesn't go and tell them, let my people go. There's no confront. In fact, he's causing trouble for the Pharisees, for the leaders of the, I mean, jeez. So this is the background to them asking, when is the kingdom coming? Because their expectation of the kingdom coming was not what they saw in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So Jesus answers them and says, this kingdom doesn't come by observation. This kingdom doesn't come by saying, here it is over there and there it is over there. This kingdom comes in the hearts of man. Hmm. Jesus' response was something for us to think about. You see, it's because oppression is not the real problem. <laughs> oppression exists and still exists, existed and still exists 
from the day men fell. For the children of Israel, they were oppressed under Pharaoh. They said, God, please deliver us. They sent him and delivered. They got delivered. Then they thought, lekker. We're good now. Then they said, no, 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 no. They came under the oppression of their own slave mentality. So they asked for a king. And now their own king oppressed them as God warned them. Then they came out of that oppression, went into oppression under Babylon, and so forth and so forth, until now they find themselves under the oppression of Romans and still happening. Israel is still being targeted. So of oppression, there's no end. If you are looking and saying, here, is there, here there it is, naturally. Because that's not the real problem. In our, in our own country, long before colonialism, the Shonas were oppressing each other. Tribal, chiefs. Then the Devilers came and overran the Shonas. Lobengula ruled. Shonas came under the oppression of the Ndebeles. Then the whites came and oppressed the blacks, both Ndebele and Shona. Then they were overthrown. Then the blacks were back in rule. Then Gukurawundi happens. Now the Shonas are oppressing the Ndebeles. Then we were free, independent. But we still needed a second republic. Now we are free, right? <laughs> That's because the, king, the, the kingdom, liberty does not come by saying, here it is over there. There's the kingdom over there. Over there. No! Jesus came to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Unless the kingdom of God comes in the transformation of the hearts of man, we'll keep expecting a cycle of pain. So the kingdom really comes, kingdom reformation, kingdom transformation really comes when the hearts of man change. So Jesus says, hey, I'm not here to confront Herod. I, don't, I couldn't care less about Herod. I'm here to confront your heart. I'm here to set you free from the oppression in your own heart. That's what I'm after. I'm, I'm not here to deal with the kingdom out there. I'm here to deal with the kingdom you have in your own heart. And establish God's kingdom there. So he says it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Because in the days of Noah, they were, here are the conditions in the days of Noah. They were partying, having fun. Uh, uh, saying to themselves, hey... We can do anything we want to. Gay liberations. Same-sex marriages. They were, they, were, they were giving themselves to marriage. No, we are not even giving ourselves to marriage. We're just giving ourselves to platitudes and sexual pleasures. As many as I want to. Chaos ruled. Oppression ruled. There were people crying out like we are crying out. Can we find a deliverer? When will God hear Zimbabwe's cry? The guys in South Africa are saying, set us free from the Zimbabweans. 
crazy. We will be free once the Zimbabweans are gone. <laughs> the kingdom of God does not come. in saying careful observation. He's saying there is, there is no. There's a kingdom God wants to deal with right here. So that was this, these were the conditions in the days of Noah. So just like it is right now, same kind of scenario that we find ourselves in now. But there was a difference in a man called Noah. When God said, I, I, I'm enough, I will not deal with man any longer. The Bible says that there was one man he singled out. What was it about this man? That God singled out. Genesis 6 verses 9 to 8, he says, Now Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Turn to your neighbor say grace. How many of you would like grace in the midst of this chaos? You see, what we need is not deliverance. So stop running from deliverance to deliverance. What you need is the grace and favor of the Lord. That's what you and I need. Because if the grace and favor of the Lord is upon you, deliverance comes. So the scripture there says of Noah, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Turn to your neighbor. Say, Noah walked with God. In comparison to all those around him, Noah walked differently. The word walk in the Hebrew is the word halak, as Pastor Tom told us in the word of the year. Halak means continually to be conversant, to follow. This is, this, this is one that blew me apart. The fourth one. It says to die, to live. How can you die and live? In a manner of life. That's what halak means. So that word means that, that, that shorten, it means Noah, in other words, Noah halacked with God. Noah continually walked with God. Noah conversed with God. Noah followed God. Noah died and lived in a manner worthy of God. That was Noah's story. In the word of the year, here's what Pastor Tom said. He said, God was purposeful in his walk, describing what happened in the Garden of Eden towards Adam. He knew what had happened in terms of Adam had fallen, chaos had come into the world, Adam had sinned, and he said he walked intentionally to redeem and restore. Can you hear the sound of the walk? It is the same today. During chaos, God is calling us to halak with him. He's purposefully, intentionally walking towards us to redeem and restore us. But there must be a reciprocating response where we purposefully and intentionally walk towards him so we can walk with him. I love that. So let's look at these four aspects of Halak. One, to continually walk with God, to be conversant with God, followed God, and the other is dead 
That's the confusing one, dead and alive. God help us that we reveal what that means. That you can be dead and alive at the same time. So let's look at number one. Noah was continually with God. You see, while the rest of the people were going about their lives in the world, Noah went about for a hundred plus years. That's what it took to build a hundred and twenty years. Being separate, being sanctified. Sanctified means you're set apart for a special purpose. While everyone else was parting, Noah was separate. Noah was living separately like a man who had a special purpose. Think about it, 120 years of obedience. You see, this is where the danger is for a lot of people who claim to be Christians and yet do not walk with God. Because the Bible says this in, in, in Genesis 1, Genesis 6 verse 1, it says, Now it came about that when mankind had began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that, underline this in your Bible, that's the sons of God. What does that say? The sons of God, yes? So that the daughters of mankind were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. So this is not... The people out there, yes, the people out there were sinning and the wicked. But the very sons of God were just being as wicked. Jesus says, as in the days of Noah. So should we not ask our question that is this not happening in the church right now? That the very sons of God who should be set apart, who should be sanctified, who should be living like they have a special purpose, who should be, who have been made holy by Christ, but are not living holy. Mark 7, verses 23, Jesus says this, you'll say, Lord, Lord, in that day, Lord, 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 Lord. Who's Lord, Lord? Who says Lord, Lord? Does the world say Lord, Lord? Jesus says, not everyone who says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father Many of you in that day will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then declared, to, and then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Right here, that's speaking of the house of God. Those that are saying, oh, but we come to church every Sunday. Oh, but didn't you see me serve? I look nice in my usher's uniform. Did I not save people in my usher's uniform? Did I not cast out? Jesus will say, hey, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because you practice lawlessness. You see, you can profess one thing, but the Lord is looking for a unity between our profession and our practice. Now, if there's no alignment between what we profess and what we practice, we are workers of inequity. What are workers of inequity? Which is no different 
We all know them. Witches. For the sin of rebellion is like witchcraft. So in this season, God's looking for a people that walk with him. Whose practice lines up with their profession. Now, Noah continually, it's a continuous process of walking with God. We cannot claim to know God and be known by him if we practice lawlessness. It is always, it's, it's like a marriage. You know, the church is likened to a marriage. It says, we are the bride of Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's like trying to define your marriage by your wedding. Most of us try and define our Christianity by our conversion. Oh, I got born again. So what? Just as a, a wedding is not enough to carry a marriage. Your born again experience is not enough to carry your walk with God. You, you know, we deal with many couples that are coming to us and saying, oh, no, no we are not agreeing, we're not. I, I never hear a couple say, you know, you know uh, 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 someone is accused of adultery. It's okay. We had a lovely wedding. He's not faithful. It's all right. We had a lovely wedding. She doesn't listen to me. It's fine. We had a lovely wedding. They, we don't spend time with each other. That's great. We had a lovely wedding. Do you not remember the investment in our wedding? Do you not remember the cow, the feasting, the eating, the drinking of our wedding? That should be enough, isn't it? That's the same as saying, hey, it's enough that I got born again. Oh, I'm going to make it to heaven. I got born again. Then you want pastors to lie at your funeral. A pastor is looking to comfort those you've left behind who are looking for a reason to say, ah, he got born again. But the lifestyle did not match with the profession of being born again. It's something my wife always says. She says a funeral like a dog takes on the character of its owner. So, you know who we find at your funeral? The people you walked with. That's who we find at your funeral. So, you may be dead, but your walk is alive in the pews. So, we can lie all we want. Yes, he was born again. Yes, he's in heaven. But in the pews are your girlfriends. Because they'll come to your funeral. In, 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 your, in the pews are your small houses. They are there. They're there. You know, if you drunk, if you used to drink as a believer, and you name it, and you used to do it in secret, guess, who, guess which secret will come to your funeral? The ones you're drinking, oh, they'll be there at your funeral. So you may be dead here, but the drunkards are in the crowd. Because your walk testifies of you. Do you know how police catch thieves? They go to thieves' funerals. Because they can't stay away. They can't stay away. 
They are there to bury their own. Have you ever been to a thug's funeral? They almost take over the whole funeral. As a pastor, I've been there. You think you're going to a believer's funeral and you encounter thugs. Why? Their, Their walk spoke much louder than their talk. So yes, just like you can't run a marriage on the beauty of a wedding, you cannot define this Christian life and being heaven bound with God by the beauty of your conversion. So this is continually walking with God. Number two, Noah was conversant with God. This is a beautiful one. I love this one. You see, conversing involves talking. uh, Conversing or talking involves speaking and listening. Most of the time when we pray, we are doing the talking. It's a monopoly. In fact, it's a monologue. Now, think about it. If Noah did all the talking for 120 years, how would he have gotten the dimensions to build something that had never been seen? How would he have obeyed a voice to build something, to counter something like rain that had never happened? How would he know what animals to bring in two by two into the, into the, into the thing? For 120 years, let me ask you the question, was Noah doing most of the talking or was he doing the, most of the listening? Because the Bible says Noah obeyed the commandment of the Lord and did everything God commanded. Yet, a believer's life is filled with shouting at God. Doing most of the talking to God. When you walk with God, I want to read Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1 to 2 for you. Listen to this. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. There are too many sacrifices of fools here who do not know when they're doing wrong. Because you know what? I, I used to do that. I used to feel I was justified by how much time I spent rambling off to God. Until God asked me, what have you heard in the hour you've spent with me? And I couldn't answer. I didn't even know I was doing wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty with your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, you are on earth. So let your words be few. That's not me, that's the Bible. Before God, it is wise to develop a listening ear. When we walk with God, we must develop a listening ear than a talking mouth. On earth, we speak out what we have heard from heaven. This is the time to speak. This is the year to speak, isn't it? Jesus said, I only speak what I've heard the Father speak to me. John 12 verse 49 says this, For I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is exactly 
what the Father has told me to say. Jesus spoke after listening. In this season of pain, it is important that we speak only what he is saying. It's not just speak anything. Jesus brought about kingdom order by speaking that which he heard his father say. We too must develop a hearing ear. It is dangerous to speak what God is not saying. We are no different to the world if we are speaking what God is not saying. In a marriage, communication is key. In fact, communication is the basis of life. It leads to unity and agreement. How can two walk together unless they agree? And agreement is the power of life. So one-way communication, even in a marriage, is abnormal. So why would we think one-way communication with God is normal? It is important that in this season we develop a hearing ear. We, we guard our steps. When we're walking with God, we are careful. Especially when you're going to his presence. Just as you've developed a talking mouth to pray unto God, develop a hearing ear to listen to God. It comes by practice. Thirdly, Noah followed God. What God was doing is what Noah sought to do in that season. It is going to be hard to do what God is doing when you cannot see what he's doing. Jesus gave us the basis for his actions. John 5, verses 19 to 20, Jesus said this, I assure you that the Son can do nothing on his own. He does only what he sees the Father doing. The, Father does this, the Son does the same thing that the Father does. The Father loves the Son and shows him everything he does. How, do you show, how, how does he see if he's not walking with the Father? Jesus showed us the pattern. The Bible says that his life was full of grace. And mercy, full of grace and favor, full of grace and truth. The same grace that the Bible describes of Noah. Why? He saw God. Why? How, why did he see God? Because he was in proximity to God. Pastor Barney says proximity determines potential. He was close enough to God to see what God was doing. So he says, I only do what I see my father doing. He was following God. So he himself, Jesus, gave the pattern to his disciples as an example to you and I. The first call to the disciples was, come follow me. Come follow me. So as believers, when we walk with God, we must learn the art of following. The art of being led. You know, I, I want to paint a picture. When when. when how many of you remember teaching your little baby, if, if you've got a baby, how to walk? Remember when they were taking their steps, you held their hand and you led them. Remember? How they, and it was so exciting because if they tried to walk on their own, they would fall over. And then they walked steadily when you walked with them. We are supposed to walk with God. And we start off as children where he leads us and makes our footing safe. Then when we become toddlers, 
I remember when my boys were toddlers. Every Saturday, they knew dad would go out. And it didn't matter where I was going. I didn't even need to tell them where I was going. I would find my boys bathed. They were little toddlers. And I'd say, why about this, daddy? We're coming with you. Can we come with you? That's following. Toddlers. That's why the, the Bible says the kingdom is given to such as these. Toddlers just want to follow their parent. Just want to follow. Let's go, daddy. Let's go. They didn't, it didn't even, I didn't even need to tell them where we're going. Then, you see, we grow up, and then now we want independence. We want freedom. We want freedom. So now I want to go where I want to go. Where daddy is going is no longer cool. I want to walk alone. Mm. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden, where Adam used to walk trustingly with God. He was no longer there because he had gone on his own walkabout. I remember as a teenager never wanting to be where my dad was. You know what? Because the business I was doing did not please my dad. And the more I was doing that which didn't please him, the more further away I wanted to be from him. And the more I wanted to walk alone. So ask yourself, what is this independence you're asking for? And what are your intentions? You see, it is at that age where we are supposed to be led as believers. Where now it's no longer because you want sure footing. But you are mature enough to make your own decision and you want to follow God. You see, that's where the enemy comes. Sin sits at the door to distract us. Because in the, in, in, the, in the age and the time of your maturity, where you have your senses and you must want to follow your father, you now want independence. Where does that seed come from? You now want to walk alone. Where, when the mature thing is, I'm making a choice to follow God. It's a conscious choice. I am mature. I am consciously following him. I don't have to follow him. I'm not forced to follow him. I want to follow him. Why? I am his son. I want to imitate him. Jesus says this, I only do what I see my father do. So he's in proximity with the father, seeing what the father is doing. Now, you can't see what your father is doing when you put your father at the back. Most of us try and lead God by our interests. And say, oh, by the way, God, can you come up here? This is what I want to do right now. Let's do this. When I see him and what he's doing and how he's walking, then I walk like him. I want to paint a picture for you very quickly, and then we're going to go to point number four, which is dead and alive. I need two guys, two big guys, two big guys. Quick, run to the front, run to the front. Two big guys, any two guys. Come, 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 come. Thank you, Ephraim. I need another tall guy. Come, come, great. I want to show you a picture. I want to show you a picture. When the Bible says... 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus says, come follow me. He says, come learn from me. Come, come you from me. The picture is this. In heaven, if there's a story and a script to be told of Tazarurwa as a disciple, Tazarurwa is a follower of God. The picture is God ahead, Taz here. The Bible says I am hidden in Christ. That's the picture. My identity, who I am, is continually hidden in Christ. That's the picture of who I am. That's the picture of me in heaven. Now, if, 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 if the picture of me on earth, go here. This is the same God. Stay there. The picture of me on earth is in heaven, this picture is clearly seen. Who owns me is ahead of me. Now on earth, which is what people want to see. Yes? People want to see the kingdom. They want, ooh, let's see the kingdom. Let's see. Now, on earth, you do not see God. You don't see God. Because the Bible says he's with me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. So when you see me on earth, you see me. But you don't know there is God with me. His staff and his rod will never leave me. I'm walking in step with him because I have a heavenly mandate. What I'm doing is him ahead in heaven. On earth, I walk with him. So that's why God came looking. For Adam, he says, where are you? You're not with me. You're not with me. We're not walking together. This God, his kingdom is in my heart. So when you see me, I'm not alone. Elisha says, open their eyes so they may see that those that are with us, those that are with us, are more than those that are what? With them. I am with God. I am with, in step with him. Let's step, brother. Let's step. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I'm hidden in Christ. It's my identity. It's who I am. It's my heavenly identity. Then you want to say in life, I had a passport to go to heaven because I said the sinner's prayer. Ah. In heaven, when we look at the record, ah, he was never, this guy's life, was he hidden in Christ? When he walked on earth, he, did the heart of the owner, was it ever seen in him? Zero. Point number four. You can only live that way if you are dead and alive. <laughs> Pastor, what do you mean? You can only live that way if you are dead to self and the world as Noah was and you are alive to God. Jesus put it this way.
He said, just get Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus, excuse me, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life, for my sake, you'll save it. And what benefit is it for you to gain the whole world? That is to be alive to the whole world. And yet lose your soul. Your soul is the most important thing you have. I want you to know the Bible says you and I, just like that picture in marriage. The Bible says of married people, this body, I must take care of this body because I don't own this body. What, what are you talking about, Pastor? The Bible says that beautiful woman over there owns my body, naturally, in marriage. That beautiful body over there is mine. It's not me, it's the Bible. It says, take care of your body. It says, it says don't deny each other. Don't deny each other. Don't you know that the, wife, the, the wife's body is the husband's, the husband's body is the wife's? So I'm supposed to take care of this because it's not my own in a marriage. It's owned by the one I'm walking with. So spiritually, the Bible says, don't you know that you were bought at a price? Don't you know in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, it says, don't you know you're bought at a price? You are not your own. You are owned by God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom God has given you. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. So you are dead to self. So Jesus says if you lose your life, you gain it. Because most of us are living like we own these bodies. No, this is God's body. I was bought at a price. This body is owned by the one I walk with. Just like my identity is hidden with the one I walk with. It's an exchange. The basis of life. Wow. Jesus put it this way. They asked him how are we to pray. He said, thy kingdom come. How does the kingdom come? He gives it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom comes when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. We can only do that when we follow the pattern Jesus himself showed in the garden of Gethsemane. Because you see, this flesh, the Bible says, is that enmity with the spirit. You cannot be led of the spirit yet be alive in the flesh. Because what the flesh wants is contrary to what the spirit wants. The flesh wants comfort. No matter how good the idea is, what the flesh wants is not good for you. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, it seemed like a good idea that Jesus shouldn't go to the cross. My gosh, he was the son of God. He had heaven's army on his, at his disposal. Jesus, he had the power of resurrection in him. So what did it matter how he died? He was going to resurrect anyway. So hey, have a peaceful death. Nice, quiet death, right? He's still going to rise up. He's still going to be miraculous as the son of God. So why suffer? Why put this flesh through all that pain? Jesus had that crossroad where he said, my gosh, if you could take this away from me. But yet, 
Not my will be done, but your will. Right there is where Jesus died. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He died when he yielded his will to God's will. And our call as believers is to continuously, it's not to give up our will, no. It's to yield our will to God so it comes into perfect alignment with God's will. Knowing that we are not just physical beings, but we're spiritual beings. Because then the Bible says the true sons of God are those that are led of the Spirit. We are not like those sons in the book of Noah. We are the sons that have been redeemed and restored by the blood of Jesus Christ, that the cost has been fully paid for. And if that were the case, we are led of the Spirit and not of the flesh. We are led of God ideas and not good ones. We trust Him completely to lead us. We are dead to the world. We are dead to our self. We are alive to God. Most believers, it's not, thy, it's not thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Most believers have prayer requests that they make unto God that are inspired by the flesh. You are praying to God for requests for stuff that is of, of the flesh. And wanting God to yield and submit to that, I want to put up a screen. Never quete agite. No, it can't. It can't. Quete agite. It can't. It's called tempting Christ when we do that. We are saying, God, do our will, do our. Uh, thing in heaven as we will it on earth. It can't. It can't. If we're going to be victorious in this season, God's looking at a different type of people. We're not looking for people that confess to be Christians. We're not looking for those that come to church and just hear the word. We're looking for those that do the word of God, those that are soaked in the word. How do we live this life? The word of God must become our priority. How do we follow him? The word of God must become our priority. The word of God must determine how we live. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.